Uh, We're in the middle of a series called Back to Basics, and it is a series about being good more than looking good. And what I mean by that is this, is that a lot of times we spend a good portion of our energy and time on looking the part rather than being the person that God is calling us to be. And so what we're trying to do is to get away from that, to get away from this, you know, just looking good on the outside, but to actually being good and whole and right with God on the inside. Uh, because we know that this is a real problem. If you are a Christ follower, you know that there have been several times you've met people um, where they talk a good talk, but you think to yourself, man, that's just, I just know that that's not who they really are. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower, you've probably been maybe turned off to the faith of believing in Jesus, because you've met some people who've talked a good talk about Jesus, but as you look at their life, you go, I just am not entirely sure that what's on the outside matches what's on the inside. And so this series is about trying to reclaim some practices, or we might even call them disciplines, that are helpful to being right on the inside, to having our souls right with God. And, and the, the premise is this, is that our faith, it's personal, but it's not private. And so we might have some things in our lives that we do personally, whether that's prayer or reading our Bible or, or, uh, I mean, several other things that that we do and maybe nobody sees or very few people see, but it does have an effect on how people view us in public. And one of those practices that is a little more on the public side is, is coming to worship, is showing up to church and worshiping. Now, maybe you've wondered, you know, why, why is worship so important? Um, you know, why, why does it matter so much? Well, I, as I thought about that, and I just thought about who we are as people, and it, it just, I don't know, it's, it's occurred to me, and I'm sure it's occurred to you, that we like to celebrate together. You know, often there's things that happen in our lives where the joy is too much to, to contain, to just hold to ourselves. I mean, why is it that parents have a big first birthday party for their their kid. It's not because the, the child has invited a lot of friends over, that's not it, but there's just a lot of joy and celebration. You just want people to be there. Why is it when people get married, they, they invite people to come? Why? It's because their joy is too big to just hold between the two of them. They want to celebrate that. Uh, why do people go to concerts? I mean, think about that. You go to concerts. Why, why do you go to concerts? It's because there's some really good music. Maybe it's a really good musician or band, and you just, man, I want to be a part of that. You know, I, I love their music. I want to have this experience, and you go to do that. And if you've ever been to a concert, you know, there's big songs. People get excited, jump up and down, and then, you know, you go to any concert, they start singing some of those slow songs, and you can see the people who that's connected with, perhaps, and, they, you know, you can tell that it's meant something to them let's take all that and sort of hold it in a small piece, and then you come to church. And, and why do we come to church? It's because God's done some amazing things in our life. Worship is the celebration of what Christ has done for us. That's, that's what it is. Worship is the celebration of the victory we have in Christ. And so we come to be a part of that, and our joy is too big to just sort of keep it to ourselves. Uh, not only that, but you know, God has done a lot more for us than just write a couple you know, awesome songs. He's, he sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. And so we want to be there and be a part of that and have that connection. And so you know, if you think about it, you come to church on Sunday to celebrate that victory in Christ. And we do that through singing. We do that through, through, you know, through preaching, through retelling of the story of Christ. Uh, there's a lot of ways we do that. Now, Paul is going to write a letter to a church in uh, Colossae, uh, ancient uh, Roman city. 
And he's going to be giving them some instructions as sort of a church planter and mentor and coach and theologian. And he's going to give a couple other reasons or benefits, I might think of it that way, in terms of worship. And so I want to pick up this text here in Colossians chapter 3 and explore this idea of worship together. So here's what Paul writes. He says, you have been raised up with Christ. So think about things that are in heaven. That is where Christ is. He is sitting at God's right hand. Think about things that are in heaven. Don't think about things that are on earth. You died. Now your life is hidden with Christ in God. Christ is your life. And when he appears again, you also will appear with him in heaven's glory. You see, Paul is telling us something really simple. And that's this, is that worship celebrates our resurrected minds and lives. That's what worship does. It celebrates sort of a reality of, of who we are in Christ. We, if you've been buried with Christ through baptism, that's the, the image there, that's the, the figurative this there where he says you died. You've been figuratively buried with Christ through baptism. He says, then you have a new life. And part of having a new life is having a new mind. And that means a new way of thinking. Now, I've yet to meet a Christian that always thinks, you know, Christian thoughts, that always thinks like Jesus, that always is, is conducting their mind in a way that is just 100%, you know, God-honoring. They'd always love to have their, their thoughts completely broadcast on a TV screen above their head. I've, I've yet to meet that person. But, you know, we're not perfect. But what Paul is celebrating is that while we're not perfect, we have this capacity to become more and more like Christ. Our mind has, has been transformed, is being transformed through the power of God in our lives. And so we have a new way of thinking. And when we come to worship, we celebrate that. Now, what does it mean to have a, a new way of thinking? It means to think about life in terms of God's kingdom. Jesus' message when he came uh, to earth in his preaching ministry was that God's kingdom had come near. And so he would often say, you know, repent or get ready because God's kingdom has come near. And in, in God's kingdom, he says, there's kind of some new rules associated with it. You're going to love God. You're going to love your neighbor. Uh, you know, you're going to not worry about getting ahead or, or, you know, getting even rather, but you're going to work on dealing with each other with love and with kindness. And so, you know, as we think about what does it mean to have a new mind, I think it means, uh, Andy Stanley, he paraphrases it this way, he says, the main question we need to be asking is, what does love require of me? That's the question we need to be asking, is what does love require of me? If I love my neighbor as myself, what would I be doing? Now, it's a new way of thinking, but it's thinking like Christ. Uh, another way I think that we sort of embrace this idea to think like Christ is to find ways to give thanks to God. Uh, you might be familiar, there's a holiday coming up this Thursday. It used to be called uh, Thanksgiving. It's now uh, Gray Thursday. But um, what it was originally intended for was a chance to pause and to give thanks and to say, we are thankful for these blessings in our life. We're thankful maybe for a good harvest, you know, when it was more of an agrarian kind of uh, holiday. We're thankful for the gifts of family. We're thankful for being brought safely to a new place. This is a time we pause and give thanks. I will tell you that the times when I have worked to cultivate a discipline of gratitude every day, for a while I was trying to write down three things I was grateful for every morning, I found that I, could, I was thinking a lot more, I think I was thinking a lot more like Christ. Because you're looking for God in every situation. You're looking for the ways that God is at work. Now I get that it's easy when things are good and you've got a new job and the surgery went well and you've reconciled with a friend. But you know, we can give thanks to God when things are hard too. You know, you can give God thanks when you've got to park at the very, you know, farthest parking spot from the, the store. 
because he's given you a little bit of extra exercise, and we all need that this time of year. Or maybe you are dealing with a difficult person, and that person is reminding you to give thanks because God has been patient with you, and so you want to be patient with others. The more we look to give thanks and the more we look to be people that conduct ourselves with love, I think the more we have this mind of Christ. And it's this mind of Christ that we celebrate when we come together to worship. Because worship is that celebration. It's a celebration of our victory with Christ. And part of that victory is happening in our minds. The second thing that worship does is it kind of helps with the same thing, in that it makes us hungry for more of Jesus. Worship makes us hungry for more of Jesus, or, or it's, it's supposed to. Uh, I've got an analogy here. I want to draw this one out. I, I know this one's not perfect. I know it's not, you know, 100%, you know, comes through in, in reality. But I think of our souls and our lives sort of like, like a cup, uh, sort of like uh, just a container. And Scripture, I think, tells us that often, you know, in our lives, you know, we keep our cup pretty full with me. You know, we just keep it full with our stuff, our concerns, our desires, the things we want. And so when it comes to, you know, asking, you know, I want more of God in my life. Well, you know, God can come in here. You know, that's, that's as much room as you've left for Jesus. And so when people say, you know, I want more of God in my life, I, I often think, you know, you might say you want more of God in your life, but you probably have as much of Jesus in your life. You've got as much God in your soul as you have given him room. I, I think that the message is this, is that we've got to become a, a little bit less. I don't know if you know that. That's our mission here at the church, is to become less, so that way Jesus can become more. And that's the idea, is that we would empty ourselves of ourselves, that we'd empty ourselves of our old way of thinking, of, of our old sinful nature, of our old desires, the things that didn't really satisfy us, and that we would allow ourselves to be filled with the good things of God. Because that's what God wants to do. He wants to fill us with His good stuff. He wants to fill us with His Spirit. He wants to fill us with love and kindness and mercy and gentleness and all those things that you, know, you may be saying about as the fruits of the Spirit. God wants to fill your life with that. Uh, Paul is going to talk about this and explain it a little bit more in Colossians 3. Uh, he goes on to say this. He says, Put to death anything that belongs to your earthly nature. Get rid of your sexual sins and unclean acts. Don't let your feelings get out of control. Remove from your life all evil longings. Stop always wanting more and more. You might as well be worshiping idols or statues of gods. God's anger is going to come because of those things. That's the way you lived at one time in your life. But now, here are the things you must get rid of. You must put away anger, rage, hate, and lies. Let no dirty words come out of your mouths. Don't lie to each other. You've gotten rid of your old way of life and its habits. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, you have a new life. You have a new mind. Use it. Access it. Think new thoughts. Live in a new way. He says, you've started living a new life. It is being made new. Hang on to that. So that what you know has the Creator's likeness. Paul is simply telling us that what we need to do is, is, is you've been saved in Christ. You know, live like it. You've been given a new life in Christ. Get rid of the old. You've been given a new mind. Get rid of the old one. You know, uh, that, that passage tells us that we are being made new. That's not something I'm doing for myself. That's not something you're doing for yourself. That's something God is doing in us. 
You know, the, the, this, the spiritual life is a cooperative dynamic. It's something that we do with God. God is the one who makes us new. God's the one who fills us with His Spirit. God's the one who puts all that new love and kindness and gentleness and mercy inside of us. But He can only do that if we get rid of the old. If we start to surrender the old and we start to say, I'm, I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to put these things away, God, and I'm going to make room so that way you can fill me with more of your goodness. That's what our mission is. And worship, when we come together and worship, it makes us hungrier for that. Um, and I think worship is one of those places where it exposes us to something that's maybe new and exciting. Um, anybody CSF? We have any CSFers here? Yes, awesome, good. All right, perfect. Oh, Mr. CSF and Miss CSF themselves here. All right, so here, listen. So Nathan Ayers, maybe you heard of this guy. He's over at CSF. He's got a role over there. He's campus pastor or something. I don't know what his title is officially, but um, he's over there, and we get together occasionally for lunch, and uh, we were getting together about a month ago. We're going to all play a joke on Nathan here in a second. You don't even know what we're going to do yet, but hold on. So, so we were getting together about a month ago, and um, we were going to Griff's because that's one of my favorite places to eat in town, but the problem with Griff's is there's always this line, and if you don't get there by 11.45, man, it's all it's all over. And so uh, we had left Griff's and we were going to go over to Gino's Italian Deli. I said, you want to go to Gino's instead? And he said, I've never been to Gino's ever. I said, well, Gino's is really, really good. Um, he said, well, let's go. And now if you've been to Gino's, Gino's has got a real problem because it has got like a thousand things. Like they've got a whole uh, Euro menu. They've got the Euro sandwich plate, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. They've got the uh, pastas. They've got salads and main dishes and paninis. I don't know how this guy makes all this stuff back there, but they got a huge menu, and so took Nathan there, and he was just overwhelmed by choices, and he ordered something, and I ordered something, and it's really, really good. The food there is delicious, and so we were there. We ate, and he's like, man, thank you so much for introducing me to Gino's. He said, I love it. I'm going to be back, and I said, that's awesome, and so later that night, I was, I'm pretty sure I was at Caleb's football stuff, and, and I get a text from Nathan, and it's a picture of him at Gino's, uh, he'd gone back. He said, you know, I liked it so much, I went back to Gino's tonight because I had to eat some Gino's. And I said, well, that's, that's awesome. And then about a week later, we ran into each other, and I said, so, you're a big fan of Gino's. And he said, you have no idea. He said, it's been a week since we saw each other. He said, I've been back five other times. I've been back five more times to Gino's. I'm a big fan. So here's what I'm thinking, all of our CSF friends. Maybe we'll just, every time we see Nathan, we're just going to say, hey, did you hear Gino's is closing? Let's just, <laughs> let's just say that and just see if it just totally wrecks him. Because that's what we want to do as Christians. We want to just totally mess with each other. All right. But the point of all that is this, is there are a lot of things in our lives we don't know we want, we don't know we're hungry for until we have that experience. And that's what worship is doing. God is infinite in his goodness, and God is infinite in the way that he loves us. And when we come together and worship, there's something that happens, especially when we get together, I think, where we start to experience more of the goodness of God, and it makes us hungry for that. And it gives us a new taste for the good things of God. And, and the more you get a good taste for the, the good things of God, you start to realize that how bitter everything else tastes. And you start to say, man, I don't want that stuff. I don't want the things that I used to want. I don't want to, to go to the places I used to go to. I, want to. I don't want to be that kind of person I used to be. I want to experience this. And it makes us hungry for more of God. So that's the second thing worship does. Third thing, uh, this is kind of more of a, a practical thing, is that this, is that we worship most fully when we are united in community. Uh, listen, I, I don't represent Christ by myself. I mean, I don't think Jesus looked or acted the way that I do, and I don't, you know, I'm pretty sure he didn't look or act the, the way that you do, but when you put us together, 
Scripture tells us that when we all come together and we seek God, that we are the body of Christ. That's what it means to be the church, that we are the body of Christ. We are made into His likeness. This is something that happens through the work of Christ on the cross. Uh, Paul will continue. He'll say this. He says, here there is no Greek or Jew. That's in the church. There's no difference between those who are circumcised and those who are not. There is no rude outsider or even a Scythian. There is no slave or free person, but Christ is everything, and He is in everything. And so if Christ is in everything, and if Christ is in everybody, then when you put us together, we look more like Jesus. If you go to the book of Revelation, you know, spoiler alert, you fast forward to the end and you see that God wins. What does the text tell us? What does scripture say? It says that in heaven, there is somebody there from every tribe, tongue, and nation. In other words, God has saved somebody from every part of the globe, from every people group, and he's brought them together. And that's what it means to be the body of Christ. So when we get together as a church, we are able to look more like Jesus. Now, listen, when we get together, it can be a bit of a challenge. And I get that, because living in a worshiping community, it can be a struggle. You know, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. You put imperfect people together, and you've got problems, which is why part of being in a worshiping community means to live in love with each other. Uh, Paul continues. He says this. He says, you are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. So put on tender mercy and kindness as if they were your clothes. Don't be proud. Be gentle and patient. Put up with each other. Forgive the things you are holding against one another. Forgive just as the Lord forgave you. You see, here's the truth, is that we all, we all need a little bit of grace in our lives. We all need a little bit of forgiveness. We all need a little bit of mercy. And I love this text because, you know, I think often we say, well, you know, you don't know the people that I'm dealing with. You don't know the, the folks that I'm going to come into counter with. You don't know the people I work with or worship with or they're in my Sunday school. You don't know those folks. Paul says, yeah, it doesn't matter. You're going to run into difficult people all the time. You're going to run into people that need forgiveness all the time. So, so the, the, the impetus here isn't on you to just stop frustrating people. He says that the, the impetus is on us to just own it and say, you know what, I'm going to be a person of grace. I'm going to be a person of mercy. I love the imagery here. Paul says, get dressed. When you get dressed in the morning, put on mercy. Put on kindness. You know, we're in a habit of getting dressed. I've never come to church and had to tell somebody, you know, I think you forgot to put your pants on this morning. It's just never happened. I've never run into somebody and they're like, oh my gosh, I made it out the door. I made it all the way to church and I'm not wearing any pants today. That's just, it's just not how it happens, okay? It's just not reality. We sort of like, no, I'm, I'm fully dressed. I'm now able to go out into public today. That's just sort of like who we are. And yet all the time, or no, I shouldn't say all the time, but often we get dressed and we put our clothes on and get our shirt and our pants on, but we forget to put on kindness and we leave the door and, and we're angry and we leave the door and we're upset and we say, you know, we blame it on the bed. You know, I got out on the wrong side of the bed. I had a bad night's sleep. And really the problem is you forgot to put on mercy. The, the problem is you forgot to get dressed with kindness and so here is what I think we need to do, is be in the habit of putting on kindness. Paul will say this, he'll say, the next thing you need to do over all those good things, put on love. Love holds them all together perfectly as if they were one. I wonder how much different would our day be if we maybe put a little sticky note, maybe on your sock drawer, maybe in your closet, maybe on your mirror, maybe on the doors you're about to leave just says, hey, don't forget to put on kindness today. Don't forget to get dressed with mercy. Don't, don't leave the house without having put on love. 
What if we did that? What if this week we were going to put these sticky notes around? We were going to remind ourselves that this week we were going to get clothed with mercy and kindness and love. I think if we did that, we would see that our worshiping community would grow in peace and that would have it grow in love and worship and power. I mean, all these amazing things. Here's what Paul says. He says, let the peace that Christ gives rule in your hearts. How do you get that peace? Well, you live in mercy and kindness with each other. As parts of one body, you are appointed to live in peace and be thankful. It's kind of a cycle. You know, it's a cycle where, as a church, we come together and we, we love Jesus. And so we come here to become a little bit more hungry for Jesus and to experience you know, the, the unity of the body of Christ. And the more we worship God in power and we start to see Jesus for who he really is, we become hungrier for him. But as we become hungrier for him, it, it makes us more loving and kind. That's what it should be doing. And the more we become more loving and kind, the more united we are with each other. And that makes us more like the body of Christ. And the more that we look like the body of Christ, and the more I know your story and the more you know my story, then that leads me to worship God more because I see what God's done in your life. And it enhances our worship. And that worship leads me to, to worship God more powerfully. And it leads me to be united with, with the people of God in a more intimate and true, transparent way. And this, this cycle goes on. The, the, the whole text sort of comes to a crescendo here at the end in Colossians 3.16. It says, Let Christ's word live in you like a rich treasure. Teach and correct each other wisely. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing with thanks in your heart to God. Do everything you say or do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Always give thanks to God the Father through Christ. You see, friends, this momentum that we have living as Christ and living in love with Christ, it leads us to just sing songs. You know, these songs are songs that are coming as people realize that they have victory in Jesus Christ. That's what worship is. Worship is the celebration of our victory with Christ. Worship team's going to come out here in a second. We're going to sing a song. Uh, it's a great song. Brian picked this one out. It's, Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. I said Brian picked that out like he doesn't pick out all the songs. He's, I'm a terrible song picker outer. Uh, but I love this song because it is a powerful song. It's a song about victory. It's about our victory with Christ. And so this morning, as we sing the song, I don't know what kind of week you've had, whether you would say it's a victorious week or whether it's a defeated week. Listen, if you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ, you have a victory in Jesus. And you have the capacity to clothe yourself with kindness and love and gentleness. And you don't have to be clothed with the anger and the hatred and the frustration that is so prevalent. We can put all that aside and have this victory in Jesus. And so this morning as we sing the song, I want you to just dwell on that. Think about these words as we sing it. Think about the victory that God has given to you through Christ. Others of you, perhaps you've, you've not lived like that. And maybe you've, you're tired of living a life of defeat. This morning could be the day that you say, you know what? I'm going to give my life to Christ and I'm going to experience that victory in Him. If you've got a decision to make, why don't you come forward as we sing the song. But let's all stand as we do.